Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today we're going to be talking about tax planning is a year-round process. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Doing very, very well. Uh, tax planning is a year-round process, and there's all sorts of things we have to remember at the beginning of the year, around springtime, obviously, end of the year. What are we going to be talking about today, Peter? What we'll be talking about is really the basics around tax planning. And the reason we're doing this is not necessarily to make people experts or go into tremendous detail around tax preparation or tax planning. So I'm hopefully not going to bore the daylights out of anyone, <laughs> but it's important that we all are, are on the same page as far as language is concerned. So while you won't become an expert, hopefully this conversation will allow us to dive a little bit deeper in as we do further podcasts about, about planning and tax planning. It's not a, this is, after listening to this uh, podcast, you'll still need to seek counsel from a tax professional, like mm-hmm. an accountant, but I'm hoping that this podcast will give you the access to the language of taxes and, and planning. That's what we'll be focusing on. It'll be primarily individual and family taxes. We won't be getting into corporate and estate tax planning on this podcast, hopefully in later podcasts. Okay, great. So where we start today then? Well, let's talk about just our perspective on taxes. They're part of everyday life. There are taxes on earned income, taxes on investment income. If you live in a, a city or a town that taxes property, you'll get a bill for that as well. Mm-hmm. Things you purchase like cars and gas. So the federal government and states and towns and cities all impose taxes and they add up for everyone. And everyone thinks they pay way too, way too much in tax. I do. <laughs> Absolutely. I do too. And complaining about taxes is just a part of the American way of life. We, we tend to, to relish in, in, in that complaint, Uh, Mm -hmm. just like we do complaining about the weather, at least here in, in New England. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to avoid paying taxes is a long time American tradition and pastime. (laughs) Having said that tax avoidance is completely legit and legal. Tax avoidance is. Tax avoidance is tax evasion is criminal. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, got and it. That we want to avoid certainly tax evasion, but frankly, as a planner, we want to embrace tax avoidance. Got it. There's a story I'd, I'd like to tell uh, uh, that is really f- from a Supreme Court justice, uh, Louis D. Brandeis, who served uh, in the nineteen from 1919 to 1939. And he, he tells a, a, a wonderful story about uh, tax avoidance. And is it okay if I read it? Yeah, no, that'd be great. So let's, let's start with his uh, bridge tax story. It's, fa- it's, it's fairly well known amongst tax experts. So let's, let's start with that. I lived in Alexandria, Virginia. Near the Supreme Court chambers is a toll bridge across the Potomac. When in a rush, I pay the toll and get home early. However, 
I usually drive outside the downtown section of the city and cross the Potomac on a free bridge. The bridge was placed outside the downtown Washington DC area to serve a useful social service, getting drivers to drive an extra mile to help alleviate congestion during rush hour. If I went over the toll bridge and through the barrier without paying the toll, I would be committing tax evasion. However, if I drive the extra mile outside the city of Washington and take the free bridge, I'm using a legitimate, logical, and suitable method of tax avoidance. And I'm performing a useful social service by doing so. For my tax evasion, I should be punished. For my tax avoidance, I should be commended. The tragedy in life is that so few people know that the free bridge even exists. Hmm. Well, I've never heard that before. So over the next couple of podcasts, we'll be discussing free bridges or those totally legal and free strategies that can help you pay less tax. And from a, a tax planning perspective, we'll be focusing on those federal taxes and not state. But those federal taxes can be, it can be really helpful to at least attempt to avoid them, to do what you can to reduce the, the, the taxes that you pay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing I'd like to do is just talk about the taxes in general on earned and unearned income. In the United States, we have what we call a graduated tax system. That means you pay a lower tax rate on less income, and then the income tax rate gradually increases as your taxable income increases. Right now, as of 2018, there are seven tax brackets, which start at 10%, and increase all the way up to 37%. And for those with even higher earned and unearned income, there could be an additional 3.8% tax. Hmm. So taxes, even at the, at the federal level, are can be quite significant. Just in general, I thought I'd describe that a little bit better, a little bit more. Your marginal tax bracket is the tax rate you pay on the last dollar of earned or unearned income. So just remember that mar what, what, when we talk about tax bracket, most people are talking about their marginal tax brackets. Mm -hmm. So just as an example, if you file a joint return with your spouse in 2018 and your adjusted, your adjusted gross income is $100,000, you'll pay a 10% tax on the first $19,000. Okay. And then you'll pay a 12% tax on income from $19,000 to $77,000. All right. On income in excess of $77,000, you'll pay a 22% tax. Oh boy, that goes up there. It does. And so in this case, your marginal tax bracket is 22%. But I think what's important to understand is that your effective tax rate is really is usually much less than your marginal tax bracket. So the, the, the effective tax rate is really the total tax you pay divided by your total income. Okay. So I think it's an important concept and, and we'll get into this a little bit later when we discuss tax deferral and how that marginal tax bracket can, can really make it a, a difference and how we try to reduce that. All right. There's another aspect that I think is important to understand. That's just the tax on investments. The income that, you're, that you earn from investments is, we call it unearned income because you haven't worked for it mm -hmm. necessarily. 
but there are some nuances there that I want to describe. So investments that produce taxable income are taxed just like the ordinary income that we discussed uh, uh, around your, your total, total income and your marginal tax bracket, for example. The interest earned from bank accounts, CDs, US government and corporate bonds, those are all taxed as, as ordinary income. And think about this income as typically being taxed at your highest marginal tax bracket. State and local locally issued bonds can offer interest that's federally tax-free. And those bonds are typically paying a, a lower interest rate than traditional taxable bonds from corporations and, and the federal government. But when you compare that net after-tax return of the US government bond compared to the tax-free return of a, of a municipal bond, the tax-free bonds often went out, especially for those those clients that are in those highest marginal tax brackets. All right. So that that's that's the tax on on regular income or ordinary income that most people um, uh, have to work with when they're investing in bank accounts and CDs and and bonds. There are some advantages to owning assets that might increase in value. And so we call this, these, this capital gain. When you own an asset and it appreciates in value and you sell the asset, there could be a capital gain, a profit. Mm -hmm. So you're selling an asset, an investment asset, especially for, 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 for a price uh, more than what you purchased it for. And we call again. That's a called a capital gain. And, and most people, on, Peter, most people think about that when they talk real estate, correct? Yes, real estate um, and any any commodity or any any uh, uh, collectible uh, could also be an asset that you pay a capital gain oh, on. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So as long if you buy it and then sell it for a profit, that is a capital gain. If you hold on to this asset for more than twelve months and then sell it the gain is called a long-term gain. All right. And the advantage of a, of a, of a long-term gain, once it's realized, once the, the asset is sold, is it's taxed at a, typically a lower tax rate than ordinary income. Okay. And that tax rate could be 0%, 15%, or 20%. Hmm. For a lot of people that have these kinds of assets, uh, there are distinct advantages to owning them. And before you sell the asset, another advantage of owning a, a stock, for example, is that uh, before you sell it, all the appreciation that accumulates over time is, is not taxed now. It's only taxed when you sell it. Okay. If your realized gain is a short-term gain, again, you sell it uh, prior to 12 months of, of ownership, it's taxed as ordinary income. And that is often higher, again, than long-term capital gain rates. Peter, you said collectibles are part of this. Can you kind of flush that out for us? What do you mean by collectibles? Are you talking cars? Are you talking porcelain dolls? Are you talking baseball cards? All of that. Really? Yep. yep. Huh. You own, uh, you own gold, you own a piece of jewelry that's appreciated in value, a piece of art. Yep. Those are all taxable when you sell it. Got it. Okay. 
there's another tax, and we won't go into detail today concerning this, but if you're in a higher income and you've got significant investment income, you pay, may pay an extra 3.8% tax on those capital gains and that ordinary income. All right. And we're going to flush that out in a later podcast? Yeah, definitely. All right. Sounds good. Just an important note on, on investing. When you sell an asset for less than your original purchase price, you could realize a capital loss. Hmm. And that sounds bad, but we can turn that into a, an advantage. All that right. loss that you incur can be used to offset other gains, both short-term and long-term. So you buy something for $100 and sell it for $90, you now have a, a $10 loss. Mm -hmm. that, that loss can be used to offset a gain that you might uh, incur on another asset that you've sold. Would it help to alleviate taxes, your, just like your regular income taxes? Can it be used against that? Yes, up to $3,000 per year of capital losses can offset that ordinary income. The government puts a, a limit on it, but up to $3,000 per year can, can offset ordinary income. Got it. Okay, so let me just run an example by you, and, and, and you can tell me if I'm on the right track. So let's say you have a, a home that you've owned for 10 years as a rental property, and it's brought you rent, and you've had it for that 10 years, and you bought it at $100,000 10 years ago. And even though the market is way up right now, uh, we'll just imagine that you sell that for $90,000 this year. Right, so that's a $10,000 loss, correct? Correct. And so then out of that $10,000, you could, you're saying you could use $3,000 per year against your ordinary income? Yeah, that gets a little bit more complicated because there's certain kinds of real estate that, that uh, if sold, uh, can't be used to offset other other losses, other other income. Oh, okay, got it. So that that may not be the best example, but in general, the concept is 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 right. Well, and and here's the thing: is if you're listening to this podcast and you have questions about it, call Peter. Don't call me because I don't know. <laughs> Peter knows, uh, and that's why I ask these questions. So, no, that's great. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, so, there's there's even within that, there's certain special rules that people need to know about. Yes. Okay. Well, call Peter. I'll say it again. Call him if you have questions. All right. Where do we go from here, Peter? Uh, I, I don't want to get uh, bogged down into the details, but another one additional advantage of, of owning common stocks is that a lot of common stocks provide a dividend to investors each year. And currently under, under the current tax law, uh, most dividends are taxed at the same rate as long-term capital gains. And again, just another advantage, tax advantage of owning uh, individual stocks in taxable investment accounts. All righty. The point that I'm trying to make here is that, that some investments uh, incur higher taxes than other investments. And we want to be aware of that when we're making investment recommendations for our clients. Another question that we often get, and this is part of just get understanding the basics, is how do we reduce our taxable income so we pay less in tax? And everyone asks that, you know, what can I do to pay less in tax? Really, in, starting in 2018, the tax laws have changed, and, and they're likely to change again. So uh, that's one reason why we, we think it's really important to, to be looking at your tax planning on an ongoing basis, because mm -hmm. laws change. One thing that, that we'll discuss in, in, in 2018 is that there are, are just fewer and fewer deductions available. 
and I just want to outline some of those deductions that that might be available to to a uh, a taxpayer. All right. Okay. The first one that everyone thinks about is mortgage interest. That's still deductible. Uh, it's deductible up to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of indebtedness, and that that is uh, only for new mortgages. Mm-hmm. So if you have an existing mortgage that's in excess of $750,000, you can still write off that interest up to a million dollars, typically. Got it. State and local taxes were deductible, but starting in 2018, there's a limitation. They're now deductible only up to $10,000. So if you're paying state income taxes, uh, uh, city or town property taxes, you're limited in your deductible, uh, how much can you deduct each year, and that's now... Ten thousand dollars, and that could be that will definitely affect those of us that live in high tax states, like California, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts is a a, a fairly high tax state as well. Uh, Medical and dental expenses may be deductible, but you've got to have expenses that exceed seven and a half percent of your adjusted gross income, and that can be a high bar for a lot of people. That's a lot of dental work. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes I find uh, retirees may qualify for that, but but most of us that are working are typically not eligible for that, that the deduction. Mm-hmm. Another popular deduction are, are charity, uh, giving to a nonprofit, a 501c3 organization is a deductible expense up to certain limits. And it's an important part of of planning. People love to give to those in need, and the government offers a tax advantage for us to do so. These kind of deductions I've just outlined are called itemized deductions. Mm -hmm. However, under the 2018 tax law, you're unable to itemize your deductions unless your deductions exceed the standard deduction. The standard deduction for a single taxpayer is $12,000, and for a joint taxpayer, it's $24,000. So if you're, for example, if you're uh, a joint taxpayer, you have $10,000 in state and local taxes that, or more that you uh, are considering deducting, assuming you don't have any mortgage interest, uh, you'd have to give to charity Fourteen thousand dollars in order to get over the twenty-four thousand dollar hurdle. Got it. And for many of our clients, that can be difficult. That can be a difficult hurdle. So we're talking to to them uh, this year, right right now, about how to deal with that, how to maximize your deductions, possibly in twenty eighteen. So the timing of deductions, charitable deductions, taxes that you have to pay are becoming more and more important. And again, we'll discuss this in more detail and give some ideas around that uh, in in ongoing podcasts. Sounds good. So at this point, uh, I think we're done with the the basics around tax planning. I hope this has been a a helpful discussion to really just help you with the language. What I'd like to do is now just briefly describe kind of the areas of the topics that we'll be discussing which I think are more interesting than than the basics of tax planning. And this gets into how we can really optimize your tax situation. And there's a number of strategies that we can deploy. Again, we'll be discussing these in more detail and actually how they work. 
uh, in the future. But for, let me just list what those are right now so you get right. a, a sense of what, what what's going to be happening in the future. And this is the next podcast, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. All right. Hit us. So we'll be talking about tax deferral, not paying taxes now, deferring the tax until the future. Okay. We'll be talking about tax-free income and, and vehicles and strategies. Nice. We'll be talking about asset location. Where do you put assets that, uh, that are, are, may incur higher taxes than other assets? How do you invest your funds so you're paying, you're, you're investing most efficiently from a tax perspective? Hmm. We call that asset location planning. All right. Fourth is tax bracket planning. Again, back to timing of income, but how can we bring your tax bracket lower or defer income so you're, you're now at the lowest tax bracket or, or a lower tax bracket? Hmm. So this tax bracket planning becomes really important, even during retirement when your income may not be quite as high. Mm -hmm. Another item that we'll be discussing is just that income and, and deduction timing. When do you maximize your income? Do you, do you do it this year? Do you do it next year? And that's just an important concept, especially when we, as we've talked about utilizing and taking advantage of itemized deductions. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are less aware of the strategies available to us around investments. And this can be really beneficial over a long period of time. Managing your assets in a way that takes advantages of losses is aware of gains, that can make a huge difference over time. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking about strategies that can do that. Another strategy is we call it gifting strategies. And this would be where you'd maybe give an asset away to a child or a grandchild that may be in a lower tax bracket, then that asset may produce income. So as far as the family is concerned, we're, we're providing income at a lower tax bracket. Hmm. And we'll talk about how that's interesting. Done. All right. Yeah. And then while it's not the focus of these podcasts, because we'll be talking about more personal income tax planning, uh, death and taxes do play a role in that. At death, there are some an advantage around cost basis and and increasing your basis in, in an asset and therefore could reduce your taxes or your heirs taxes when they receive the asset at death. Mm. So that's an important part of tax planning and, and that'll be part of our discussion. All right. So those are the, the topics that we'll describe in more detail as we look ahead. And we'll give, be giving examples of that and really showing people and our, and our, and our clients and friends how these strategies can, can make a difference in their overall planning and uh, how advantageous they can be. That sounds great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to those examples because I need some concrete kind of visuals uh, for, for me. Uh, and I know a lot of our listeners would really be able to use that, being able to hear those examples that will play right into their life and, and the things that they're going through with their finances or property or assets or collectibles or all those different things. So that's great. That's what we'll do. All right. Anybody who has questions about what Peter's covered today, please give him a call. Reach out to the Raskin Planning Group. They are a wealth of information, and he'd be happy to help. And, and I know the consultation's free. So reach out to him, please. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. 
it makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.